Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I think Michigan State, I love their coach, Mel Tucker. I have a lot of respect for Mel Tucker. I think he's an excellent coach. And I really like Michigan State as a brand. I think they're a cool brand. Um, I think they're pretty easy to root for considering who's in their division with Michigan and Ohio State. And I just think they're pretty easy people to root for, especially because I think they have some of the best uniforms in college football. Agreed. But And I'm going to, I'm good at something like Ari Wasserman. I don't know if you listen to him on the, on the athletic version. But he says, yeah, I, I fully agree with him with the thing that you have to have a fat, top five t- um, recruiting, um, yeah. recruiting base to win a championship game. And I agree with that, but I feel like I feel like if any team could buck that trend, if any team it could be, I think it could be Michigan State. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast, a youth-centered version of the Touchline Media Group based in London. Um, this I am your host, Asa, aka The Twig. Um, this episode is brought to you by uh, the Smith Workforce Management Group, as well as whoever Blue Air decides to put in. Uh, please keep doing uh, American Express. Uh, it makes us seem classy. Um, and we appreciate that. Uh, we are joined uh, in this episode by, uh, I'm going to say at this point, friend of the pod, uh, Garrett Franks. Uh, Garrett is the uh, sports director at the, uh, the student radio station down in Tuscaloosa, WVUAM. Uh, Did I get that right? WVUAFM. AFM. Okay. WUVAFM, uh, 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 which, which is not Virginia. You would think that WUVA would be Virginia, not at all, not at all. Yeah, we get that a lot. <laughs> um, the WVA so, stands for West of Alabama, West of Mississippi, Voice of the University of Alabama. I thought West of the Mississippi, you get K. Like, like I no, I, it's a W. It's a W. I thought East of the Mississippi was what W. West of the Mississippi was K. 
Yeah, West is K. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So there you go. I'm 101 right here, man. You're learning everything in this podcast. I know. You. I. Uh, I, I was very briefly a uh, a radio guy myself uh, back in high school, and then I um. Yeah, I, I tried to do a, a, a show. Um, this was back in like 2006. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to do a show focused on alt country um, in uh, the oh. suburbs of Detroit. Yeah, and uh, that didn't go mm-hmm. over. And I was told that I had to pick, I had to pick like basically three things. Like I could do uh, like straight like stadium Kenny Chesney country, which I didn't and don't like. Uh, I could As do yeah, I could do Screamo, which I do like, but there were three other people on the radio station doing it. Or I could do like hip hop, rap, top 40, whatever. And I was like, uh, I want to do Americana, alt country, you know, whatever. And I was told no, and then I quit. But anyways, we're not here to talk about my fledgling uh, radio career. We are here to talk <laughs> about uh, recruiting, I guess, sort of, but not what you think. You would think that, that, that we would be talking uh, college football recruiting, but in fact, we are talking U.S. men's national team recruiting because we have just spent, what, the last week watching 18-year-olds play football. Now, granted, not our football, but a football, football, if you will. So, um, dear listeners, if you're listening to this, you probably know that the, uh, the U-20 CONCACAF championships going on right now. Uh, team USA uh, just, just closed out a win. I closed it out before the game was over, but I think they beat Cuba 3-0. Um, and have uh, won their group, advanced to the, the knockout stages. The way that this works is that uh, if America makes it to the semifinals, to the final four, we get to go to the U-20 World Cup. If we make it to the finals, we get to go to the Olympics. That's it. That's what we're here for. And then if we win, if we win the finals, we get to tell Mexico that even their youths can't beat us, which they, that's all they got these days. But um so Garrett, you were, you were, you were watching these games. I, I know that uh, tonight you had some scheduling difficulties because um, telling people you can't do things because the U20 U.S. men's national team soccer team is playing against Cuba is like not an easy sell. Um, but, but what have your thoughts been so far? Um, I, I feel like they're about as where I thought we were going to be. Um, I'm glad we topped the group. I don't think that's something we should necessarily celebrate like oh my gosh we just topped the group but I, I, I'm I'm proud of where we are um I, I still have the same concerns as I did going in in my opinion I still have the same concerns and I, I think a big part of that is this back four I'm still very concerned about outside really the the right back but we'll get into a little bit of that specifically I'm concerned about the center forward and I'm just concerned about the roster structure and I, I mean I, I think everyone's kind of beat to death with the calf I mean they're only allowing 20 players to this tournament I think that's ludicrous especially in today's world of soccer especially america who's been down to 19 because obed vargas isn't coming until um i guess tomorrow or in two days so yeah i mean i I thought the canada game was disappointing i thought that was very disappointing because i don't think this canadian national this u20 team is that good um contrary to much of what their national team is doing who's they're playing very well i think this u20 team was had a one or two guys that were decent and then the other ones are, i don't know if they would have made our roster necessarily no um, st kins and evans i mean so yeah i mean st kins and evans Tino, i mean you can't really take much from that so so <laughs> actually then, i thought that that game was the most instructive and not because we learned anything about our soccer team or our players but it, it settled to me a lot about um the professionalism right so like you can tell like both of our you know i, I don't know about you but but i certainly grew up in college football land right and you couldn't necessarily tell a lot about a team who beat a Sunbelt team by 30 
or a Mac team by 30 at the beginning of the year. Like, okay, that's more or less what you should be doing. But you can tell a lot about preparation, right? Like if somebody makes a mistake, are other people pissed or are other people like, we're up by 20, who cares? Um, and I, I saw a yeah. lot of, I saw a lot of like, even late in that game, like when people were not necessarily taking the chances they should have, like there was, there was a disappointment. There was a, 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 a annoyance there. So like, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you're a, you're a Bama guy. I'm a Michigan state guy. We both, we both have had Nick Saban at various points in his career. You got him at a better point perhaps. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but, but Nick Saban is, is, is like the perfect example of this is like after he beats UL Monroe, he will go in front of the media and you know this as well as anybody and he will be pissed. He will be like, this is what should have happened. And he'll usually be pissed at players who aren't necessarily being relied upon at that time. Right. Like he's Bryce young is not going to get chewed out after the UL Monroe game, but Mm -hmm. whoever that freshman quarterback is behind him, whoever the guy is behind him is certainly going to get chewed out. I remember, actually, I remember Mac Jones once was, was subject to it um, when he was backing up Tua. Mm. Um, and I remember there was like some dumb game and Mac Jones came in and like threw an interception or something and Saban ripped into him. And, and, you know, all of our media were like, maybe don't rip into the redshirt freshman <laughs> who's never going to play. Like, like maybe don't do that, but it says something, right? Like yeah. it says something about accountability. So, um, because we're, we're reviewing the entire window or not window, the, the entire group stage, we're not going to go necessarily, um, lineup by lineup, right? Normally on this podcast, we'll, we'll go through the lineup and talk about people in a row. Um, mm-hmm. but we can sort of talk about everybody on the team because we, we do have that ability. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll start with the, um, the keepers, uh, Chris Brady got two games, Nico, uh, Carrera, Carrera. Is that right? Yeah, it's Carrera. Carrera. Um, I always want to call him Aaron Herrera, uh, like the <laughs> right back. Like be, I, I don't know why, like, like, the, like it's like stuck in my head. Um, I guess, I guess the next last time we had a, a meaningful national team, Aaron Herrera was there. Um, <laughs> but so, so Nico Carrera got game one. Um, and then Chris Brady has gotten the last two. Um, mm-hmm. I want to hear your thoughts on, on the two goalies, who you think should be, should be the guy for, for the rest of the tournament, uh, who you think will be the guy. And then, then I'll sort of give my thoughts as well. Yeah. So I thought Carrera played well. I mean, you know, playing St. Kinson Evans, he didn't get tested much, um, but I thought he played well. I, I looked and I saw his, we didn't distribute much out of the back just because, I mean, we held the ball like 80% of the time. There's not much you can distribute out of the back. But I thought he played well. I think he's playing for North Texas Stars right now in the USL. Um, and this is just a good camp for him for him just to kind of be with the guys, get some playing time. Also, you got to remember, he's a he's a dual national, so it's big that we even got him in camp. And I think we, we've struggled very recently in the past with recruiting dual, ne- dual, me- ne- excuse me, dual nationals who are Mexican-American. And I think – you know, Carrera being in the camps is a lot about, you know, what he wants to do. He probably could have gone to Mexico and probably been second or first guy there. But the fact that he's with us and um, competing and I thought played pretty well, I'm happy with. Chris Brady is who I would go with personally. I think Chris Brady is overall a more technical keeper. Um, you know, if we want to kind of dissect just the two goals against him, I thought the first one was just kind of a dumb luck, weird shot that was just in a lot of traffic you can't was really on- discern. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about Michael Michael Holiday and uh, Cuevas and, oh, and gosh. The, yeah, the Michael Holiday on one. I still get night sweats about. But it was a great I, goal. I very professional, good. very professional goal by Michael Holiday right there. Oh my gosh! The clinical was the other side of the net, but it was it went into ours. I mean, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into roster construction a yeah. little bit later. But I mean, he, yeah, that. 
But I, I thought Brady did well. And the thing is, Brady, I was a little concerned with him going into camp. Eggs, he's been hurt. He's had some injuries. And also, he's not getting consistent play time at um, C- at um, Chicago FC. And there's another because of U20 keeper. Yeah. There. <laughs> there's another U20 guy there who's probably about, to, I mean, uh, probably about to go to Chelsea or Real Madrid. So I mean, I, I'll, yeah, take no it. I'll take it. But um, yeah, no big deal. But I thought he's played well, and I think he's been every time everything he's been really advertised. I'm glad he's been healthy. Um, the kid out of I believe it's Porto, the one who's playing over in Fulham right now. Yeah, um, I thought he would have been a good option as well. But um, Borto? if Brady wasn't going, Porto, yeah, Porto, mm-hmm. yeah, got him in the Portuguese club. Confused happens all the time. Yeah, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, but um, I thought I thought he did really well. Um, I thought he did really well, and um. Yeah, no complaints. You know, you can, I, I, it's going to be really interesting when we start playing. You know, we get into the Costa Ricas and we get into the Mexico, maybe eventually in Mexico in the final. I mean, but yeah, I, I thought overall so far, I'll, you know, I'm satisfied with the results. Yeah. So, so I actually, um, Antonio Carrera was the guy who I sort of clamped onto. Um, you know, when, when, when talking about these U20 keepers, it's, it's been Gaga Slonina for a really long time amongst like youth national watchers. Like he's been like the guy who, who's been in this age group who you're like, okay, this is the guy, but among the secondary, I like Carrera a lot based on, um, you know, the, the, the scouting reports. And and that's what a lot of this is because like, if you're watching a lot of USL, um, or, or MLS next, like God bless you. I can't watch a ton of high school football and I can't watch a ton of USL. Um, so like a lot yeah. of what, yeah. So like, like, look, like I'll watch, you know, like just use like the college football analogy. I'll, like when matter day w- plays against, uh, you know, IMG. Yeah. You're like, okay, fine. I'll watch that game when it's on ESPN, like in August, because they have nothing else to show fine, whatever. But I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch significant amounts of clips of, 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 uh, of recruits. So, so based on profile, I, I liked Carrera a lot. And um, the holiday goal that, that Brady came, gave in um, was it, to, to me, it was frustrating because it was the type of thing where, look, it was an own goal. Clearly this wasn't, this wasn't something that, that Brady needs to stop, but, but it, it belied, and this is going to get super like the scouts in Moneyball for a second, which I hate, but I also love. Um, lack of hand strength, lack of wrist strength, you know, like I, I think that, that, that he had an opportunity to keep it out and he did, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dock him too much for, for an own goal that he, he, you know, that came right back across his body, you know, like he did have to, to do well to get, even get into the position to stop it, but didn't, didn't love that. So, so the, uh, you know, the goalkeeping has been fine. I mean, two goals in three games, one of which was super weird and not his fault. The other, which was an own goal, which whatever. Um, so because, because this is a crossover football, football, uh, podcast, um, the, uh, the fun game we're going to do here is, is we're going to, we're going to give each of these guys, uh, one to five stars and we're not doing one to 10, like, like normal soccer version. We are treating this like they are recruits. So obviously, you know, five star, you're talking about Gaga Slodina. You're talking about, um, Gio Reyna. You're talking about like guys who, you're, you know, five stars, right? Like, when Will Anderson comes in, you know that Will Anderson is coming yeah. in. And you know that he's going to leave after he's a junior, and that's fine. Uh, and, you know, and, there, and there are other guys who come in as three stars, and you're like, maybe he gets there, maybe he doesn't. 
you know, four stars obviously are, are four mm-hmm. stars. So, so what do you, what do you think of, uh, of, of these two? I, I need you to give me, give me the, uh, the 24 seven composite uh, score for each. Um, I would go with Carrera. I would go as a, I would go as a mid to lower four star. So about if we're going to go in the range, if we're doing like the top, you know, usually these 24 seven sports go around about three ten, three ten is the max for, um, um, four stars. I'd say he's probably about a 270, 270 ranking, which I think is fair. And I, I'm not a knock on him. I mean, we've seen kids who came out um, stars wise worse, like Josh Jacobs, who went to Bama as a three star yeah. with only eight offers. And obviously now he's a bajillionaire in the NFL doing great. Le'Veon um, Bell was a two star. I think back for that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, I mean, once again, it's just like, evaluating high school kids such a shot in the dark i did it for two years and it was crazy but um i i will say yeah i, I think he's career is about 270 and i think that's good i mean that's not like that's still a really good player like mm-hmm. i think an average player in his scenario would be like a two-star or three-star so yeah. when, I, when i say a four-star i'm not like oh my gosh i don't think he's world-class material i'm not saying that like I, i'm not i'm not saying right. he is i'm saying I'm not saying he isn't i'm saying He's 18 years old or 19 years old. It's hard to project how these kids' careers are going to be. No one would have projected. Um, I, I doubt many people would have projected jo- the, for better or for worse, Josh Sar- Sargent's career at 18. Or, oh, man. Or, if goodness that's... gracious, how'd you ride? Because if so, they would be starting at freaking Man United and Man City right now. I mean, if we, so, I mean, yeah. it's, we have to take but, this with a grain of salt. You know, but, Josh, Sargent, Josh Sargent's a good example of a um, – of a five-star quarterback to me. To me, he is, he is, uh, do you remember that guy? He was at uh, Bama. He ended up at Arizona state. Um, like, oh, name's going to, it's, it's going to come to me. No, the, the one who went to, to, he, he transferred away. He was a starter for like 10 minutes and then Tua took the job. Um, oh, um, Tua took the, oh, Jalen Hurts. No, 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 no. Oh, the one who Jalen Hurts took. Anyways, it doesn't matter. The oh, point is, Blake he was like Barnett. Like Barnett. Barnett. Yes, of, yes. Florida, California, if I can remember rightly. I believe right. so. Um, so Blake Barnett is a good example of a of a Josh Sargent, right? Five star guy, definitely going to yeah. be the guy, not the guy, <laughs> not the guy. Yeah. Um, well, well, I have a hot Josh Sargent take, but I guess we'll leave that for another day. But <laughs> we'll 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 get there. We'll get there. I I think everybody has a, a hot yeah. Josh Sargent take. Like like nobody is like. <laughs> about Josh Sargent like everybody is like either either you are a, a true believer who thinks that he, he just needs the reps or you are like this dude can't play soccer he should he should never be here and yeah. I nobody's in the middle so um so let's talk about the center backs there are there are um three center backs in the in this group uh which is a decision uh to bring three center backs yeah. I, I guess um so the the three are Brandon Craig um Jalen Neal and Marcus Fercranis. Um, which is an, a last yes. name that I, I don't know that I'm pronouncing right. Um, so for Kranis, I, I think is actually as much as, um, we'll, and we'll talk about Cuevas being both the best and worst player on this team for some reason, um, <laughs> like somehow. Um, but, but for Kranis, I think is actually the guy who is, who is at fault for the first goal uh, that, that we gave up against Canada. Um, because at a certain point, yeah. your, your center back needs to, get low and get the ball and clear the, the problem. And he just didn't. And, and, um, and so, so I ding him about that. 
I think Jalen Neal has been the best of them. Um, I think, I think that he's been like so calm and so normal and there's, there's a, you know, I've, I've said it on this podcast that there's a, a concept, um, on, at, uh, MGO blog talks about it all the time about how you want your free safety to be boring. Like you don't want your free safety to be making a ton of plays. You just want them back there making sure nothing bad really happens. And like, um, like the joke is, is that they should be off screen, right? Like they should be so far back that they're off screen and like, okay, like they're not really doing all that much. And that's great. And, and that's what I want out of my center backs, to be honest. Like I want you just like sort mm-hmm. of making sure nothing bad happens. And I thought that Jalen Neal has, has done a really, really good job of that. Um, Brandon Craig came mm-hmm. in as the guy. Uh, he plays at, at Philadelphia Union. He's supposed to be like the guy. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I guess like a testament, I don't really remember anything good or bad that he's done. Yeah, very, like, it feels like we're either getting the good, the bad, or the ugly. And I think for Krannis, excuse me, has kind of struggled, you know, being the LA Galaxy guy. Um, LA Galaxy is a weird place to break in at. It's just hard to get play time there for some reason. Yeah. Like, all their academy kids end up, like, moving somewhere else. It's ridiculous. But I I think, I thought for Krannis, yeah, I agree with you. He was at fault for the first goal. He didn't close out well enough. He just, he struggled. That was on him, 100%. Um, I, I think the Jalen Neal is probably the most consistent. I don't know if I necessarily say he's been great. If, you know, if I had to give him a one out of 10, I don't know if I'd give him an eight match rating, but I think he's probably been the most solid out of the group. And uh, yeah, I've been very disappointed with, um, with Craig. I, I, I coming in, I was like, okay, like we don't know about for Kranis. We don't really know about Neil. Cause I really didn't know much about them, but I knew about Craig. I'm like, Craig is our guy. He'll kind of anchor the defense. We'll be okay. And to be honest, I, he's been a little bit shaky out there. You know, uh, I was only able to watch the second half of this last game, but he, he looked okay. No, nothing crazy, but like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, I don't know, maybe because we're, we're so spoiled with watching whenever like we watched a guy, like I think Walker Zimmerman plays incredible for the national team. Mm-hmm. And so I think we kind of get spoiled with guys like Walker Zimmerman and, I think we kind of remember what it's like to just be like a struggling young 18 year old center back. And, you know, center backs, right backs, left backs, the defensive position just takes a little bit longer to develop. And so, I, you know, thankfully, we're not the only team that has a kind of a rough back line. We saw that with mm-hmm. Canada before they low, low blocked us. And we saw that obviously with Cuba and St. Kinson Nevis. And I, from what I saw from um, the Mexico Trinidad game that I watched yesterday, it seems like Canada gave up some, like, if they actually were playing a team that was worth anything, they probably would have gave up some goals to that back line, which was considered their strong suit coming in. So yeah, it's just, it's a weird position at a weird age, but I, I think if anyone stood out to me the most when it comes to the center backs has been Jalen Neal. Yeah. And I, th- I think the way that it worked, like there's like a truism about the, 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 the age at which you were in your prime at various positions. And you're not really considered to be in your prime as a center back until you're like 28. Um, because like, it's so much less about mm-hmm. athleticism and so much more about positioning and understanding. So asking 18 year olds to be solid mm-hmm. is like, it's hard. It's hard. It's, it's, it's like having an 18 year old, uh, playing on the offensive line. Like it's, it's not really fair. Um, and so like, you're asking people to do something that's very, very difficult. Um, which is like, like people don't understand why it's so shocking that Chris Richards is where he is. And, and it's shocking because he mm-hmm. shouldn't be there. He's like four years away yeah. from being a guy who is playing like he is. Um, and so it's, it's, yeah. it's, there's something to that. To get back to, to say, 
to also, I mean, if we, if we want to kind of circle back around the goalkeepers also goalkeepers, another position like that. I mean, we see Gaga, Gaga is kind of the, the wonderkin of this, um, this class, but yeah, you see sometimes, especially before, right before he committed to us, he had some times where positioning you're just like, Oh my gosh, this kid like, is, where a are you? We forget that <laughs> He's our kid. Yeah. And you know, we expect what, and you know, I love these, I love the um, USMNT Twitter verse, and I love just all these guys who are so passionate. I think that's awesome. But sometimes we just forget these are 18 year old kids and 18 year old kids do some stuff that you're just like, what on earth? I mean, I was 18 once I can say that, you know, I, I wasn't the brightest 18 year old ever. So, I mean, it, you know, it's so hard to such a, such a big stage and such a you, you, huge pressure on these kids to qualify to the Olympics for the first time since 2008 to qualify to the U20 World Cup. I mean, it, it's a lot of pressure on these kids. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, it's actually like a good reminder about like, like these are 16, 17 or mostly 18 and 19 year olds. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like when you, like compare, like they look like professionals, right. And they're playing against other people who are over their age, but like, even if, if you're at your best, right. Even the best 18 year olds in the world at any sport you can think of do things that are horrendously stupid. Like once a game, like, and, and the reason why teams like don't rely on freshmen and sophomores all that often in, in American football is because if you do, you die. And unless you know, you're, you're just so over talented. Like it doesn't work. You can do it at certain positions. You can have an 18 year old striker. You can have an 18 year old striker and you tell him, look, go get the ball, be fast. That's all you really have to do. And and you can do that with, um, you know, running backs, sometimes wide receivers more. So just be like, okay, don't really worry about it. Run, go routes. And if you're open, we'll, we'll find you. And if not, we won't. And it's fine. But like you get, you get a safety, or, or, uh, or a, a linebacker who's a, a true freshman. And I promise you, if you watch them for an entire game, every single game they play, they'll make a mistake, a catastrophic mistake. It's just a question about whether other people cover it or not. <laughs> like, like, and, and you see it, especially. Yeah. I mean, if back in 20. Um, yeah. I mean, back in 2019, Alabama lost their starting their, um They lost Dylan Moses, five-star kid at mm-hmm. IMG to a um, ACL injury, second string guy. Um, McMillan, who's still on the roster, I believe, tore his ACL out the whole season. They had to put two true freshmen there. Christian Harris, who just got drafted, and then also Shane Lee, who's transferred now to USC, if I'm correct. And, like, Christian Harris had so many flashes of just being this young, athletic, great um, hybrid linebacker, kind of where the game's going. But then he'd have one play a game where you're just like, oh, my gosh, this kid is a child. Like, (laughs) And, like, even though he's 6'2", 200. And then Dylan, Dylan or Shane Lee, excuse me, Shane Lee, poor Shane Lee. I felt so bad for him. It was a mountain. He was like, he was the old kind of throwback linebacker, 6'1", 240, didn't move around really well, but could plug a hole. And so then he would make some plays you're like, man, this kid, he like, you know, so physically mature for his age. But then he does something so catastrophically stupid. And you're just like, oh my gosh, good example. Go back and watch Alabama Ole Miss 2019. It was like a 52 to 39 score. It was something ugly. Same thing happened in South Carolina. Same thing when we played uh, LSU. It's just a lot of ugly, just mistakes by fresh by freshmen, and it's one hundred percent true. Positioning so important. Mm-hmm. The um, just the mental fortitude you have to have in those scenarios. It's just, it's it's insane. And so that's when you see a guy who's a freshman. Um, like Dylan Moses kind of was his freshman year um, before he kind of had the injuries catch up to him. I mean, he was playing really well as a true freshman linebacker, and there was a reason why he was you know 
ESPN ESPN magazine at eighth grade type kid because mm-hmm. he had it all there immensely too. But I just we forget that these kids, even though they're playing at a high level, whether that be in a club club in the MLS Next Pro or that they're playing in the MLS, it's still like it takes times. It takes those screw ups, and sometimes those screw ups happen to happen in you know a tournament like this to where it can be do or die. And yeah, and that's know, that's. That's the crazy part is that like, this is a do or die tournament. And I think it's incredibly stupid that we qualify for such an important thing like the Olympics on an, on a single elimination tournament. And I can get into that later, but like, I think that's really dumb, yeah. but um, let's talk about the, uh, the, the, the fullbacks. Um, and I think that we have two really good fullbacks and one guy who is uh, definitely there. He is definitely on the roster. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I actually think the person who's, impressed me the most because I, I knew about Cuevas, right? Like we've all sort of known about Cuevas being like a guy and he's been a captain on, uh, of this youth national team for, I think two of the three games. Um, he started all three. He's like the guy. I thought Noah Allen did a phenomenal job in both games that he played, obviously St. Kitts and Nevis, whatever. Um, but I, I thought against Cuba, he's just like, everything good seems to, to happen going up his side, regardless of whether Kate Cowell was there or not. Um, and he just like, he's just like a very uh, impressive, uh, it, you know, in terms of his discipline, in terms of like knowing where to be, when to make those runs, when not to. Um, and granted, he's 18 and he'll do something stupid. But um, I, I think that he's someone who's, who's really gone stock up, especially for me, as I look at our left back pool, um, like sort of generally. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to say that any of these players are ever going to touch the senior team. But one who I, th- I think has sort of gone from not a chance to, well, let's see, is Noah Allen. Um, so what, what, what did yep. you think of them? I thought Noah Allen, when you put the correct context with him, is playing very well. I thought Noah, I mean, was, I mean, he's a left back. Let's think about it. In U20s, he's probably our third choice left back at U20s. Number mm-hmm. one being, at, at least for Burhalter, probably Bello. And then number two, Paredes. And Paredes is one of my favorite kids. And Gomez. I love this kid to death. And Gomez, yeah, I mean, uh, I I think we should already probably chalk up Gomez to Mexico, to be honest. As much as I hate to say it, and as much as I think he's game-breaking talent, I think he's going to be. He's probably Mexico's, which – The crystal balls are coming in. Yeah, the crystal ball from Garrett Frank's coming in. I like the kid, and I hope he does well, except for when he puts us. But – I, I think Noah Allen's played very, very well. I don't, I was really impressed though with Marcelo Cuevas. I just didn't know much about him. I knew he went to Cub Rouge and I was like, okay, like a kid getting out of the LA Academy. Great. Like, let's see what he does. And like, he he's coming. And I just think he's added some, just a voice of reason. He reminds me a lot of Tyler Adams on the field when it comes to just the leadership side. Like it's a good example. I went to my first USMNT game back in September. It was US Canada game. Legit, it was a legit and a Costa middle field midfield. It was disgusting. But Tyler Adams was the one guy all over the field telling players to lift their heads up. Come on, like let's go. Like talking to Burhalter on the on the um, on the side during um, penalties or whatever the case would be. And I just I thought I saw that out of Cuevas, and I was so encouraged by that. And like Cuevas is gonna make a dumb mistake a game. I just think we have to accept that. And I think yeah. that's just where he's at his right now as an eighteen year old. But I will take his leadership because, man, he just – and we're going to talk about a little bit more when we get into the get into the midfielders and forwards about leadership. But that was something that was incredibly, incredibly um, great to see. And then 
I'm sure you, I'll let you st- start with Holiday, how, what your thoughts were on him. He's there. Michael Holiday. Yeah, he's there. I think that he got a free trip. I, I don't think he had to pay his own way. Uh, I think he got a jersey and um, he's there. He's getting some cardio in when he's on the field. I, I think that he's been, he's been bad. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily, you know, it's good to, to say the truth about certain things. And I think Halliday has been bad he, when he came in as a sub, uh, nothing good happened uh, against Cuba. And when he was starting against Canada, he was responsible for one or both of the goals. Um, certainly one, but, but, yeah. but, you know, he was right there in that scrum with Cuevas and for um giving up that first goal to, to, to Canada. Um, so I, I just, I just don't really need to see him again. Um, you know, if we're up, great save save Cuevas's legs um bring him in as a uh as a as a sub in the 60th if we're up two or three um but I don't I don't really need to see him in in games that have high leverage moments anymore um and that's fine look like 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 you said this is not this is not the U2018 right like amongst right backs I mean there's there's a whole bunch of guys who who could be here who aren't you didn't even mention Caleb Wiley ahead of ahead of uh Noah yeah. Allen as a left back like you're talking about about some of these wow. yeah <laughs> and like you're talking about some of these positions we're on our sixth option um and and our right back you know like this isn't the best that we've got um and that's fine it's it's okay um but Halliday I think I think he's you learn a lot from people in in good times and bad times and I, I don't think we need to see much more of him but you know who we do need to see much more of um, is, is this spot. <laughs> so, um, so the, I, I think the, the, the defense, um, and especially I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to actually ask you this from a program perspective, um, because obviously the youth national teams and the senior national teams talk to each other. I don't think it's an accident that these youth and national teams are all playing the same four, three, three with a false nine and inverted wingers that, uh, Berhalter papers, right? Like any program is going to talk to yeah. itself and, and, and do what, what makes sense. Um, I can argue about whether or not it works or, or, or whether or not it's the best idea, but that's what we're doing here. So um, from a program perspective, it, it appears that we just like have a stout defense. Um, you know, we don't really give up open play, normal goals. Um, you know, the two goals we gave up against mm-hmm. Canada, both of them, like you said, were like, eh, like, okay, you're not going to do that again. It's fine. Um, like, it's all about, like, can you replicate this? Scuffed podcast, um, you know, friends, we're, we're, we're friends of theirs. I, I don't know that they know who we are, but we, we know who they are. Um, they, they, they were talking about, uh, about how, like, you can get concerned from a, from a systemic level when things happen to you that you can't defend, right? We knew there was a problem with the senior team when Switzerland was able to do whatever they wanted. We were like, okay, we need to fix some things. But since then, nobody's really been able to carve us up. Um, we, we've been had a program deep issue breaking down low blocks. No, none of our teams can break down low blocks. Um, and you saw it against Canada uh, late in the game. And so I wanted to get your takes about, about sort of this defense, even though we talked about like, you know, this guy's disappointing. This guy hasn't lived up to what we wanted. The fact of the matter is two really ugly goals in three games so far so so do you do you think that like you're you're confident and comfortable with our defense sort of going forward in these next potentially you know definitely one maybe four more games I think what to kind of 
answer more in a broad sense. I think the idea of having like a system and trickling it down has always, I think to me been appealing. So I, once again, coming from a football background in high school, yeah. you know, usually when, um, so we had a coaching change my senior year and a big thing was implementing all the way down from peewee to first graders playing peewee was okay. We're going to do the most dumbed down system of the offense that we run at high school. And then you learn it. And so then when you get to middle school, it's all clockwork, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not hard at all. But then when, um, so, so you just keep adding on more and more and more. But I think I, I've come away of the thinking that that's the way to do it now. And the reason is, and so maybe in high school, I can, that's a little different, but soccer, I don't think you can because each age group specifically is going to have something more that it can offer other than it's going to have deficiencies and it's going to have things it does well and it excels them. And one thing this one, this group excels in is a deep, deep midfield, especially when we have all of our U20 guys. If we had Musa, if we had Reina, if we had all those guys and yeah, this, yeah. But I, I think the idea that we can fit these round holes and square pegs is dumb. I don't think it's bright. And I, I get, listen, I get the ego that Berhalter has. He seems like a nice guy. Berhalter seems like a <laughs> fine person. I'm not rating him. I'm not saying he's like a terrible human by any stretch. He seems like a very nice guy. But I, I think when you get to that level, you have the idea it's like what I do works and I'm going to die on that hill. And I'm, I think we might be dying on that hill. And I'm terrified the idea that, okay, we get down against, let's say a team we shouldn't in the World Cup. We're, let's say we get down to Iran and then they're just going to bunker like, do we, do we have the players to break that down? I think we do. Do we have the system? I don't think we do. I, I just don't think it allows too much creativity. And I think this has been a, a consistent idea over time is that there's not enough room for creativity, especially when you have, I mean, look at this midfield that we have. We have, excuse me, we have, um, oh, we have Vargas coming in. Caden Clark is one of the most creative guys in all the MLS, even though he doesn't play for his club. We have Paxton Aronson, Aronson who's incredibly creative Diego Luna who was the only bright spot arguably of that Canadian game Mm -hmm. I mean we have so many creative players that why aren't we letting them free man and let them kind of do their own thing and sure they're going to make mistakes but they're 18 we already know they're gonna make mistakes so why not just let them do their thing I just I I think that it, it it does feel like we we have a the keys to a really really fast car and we've just decided to keep it in like Nope, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go twenty five in the twenty five zone, and that's just what we're gonna do. And you're like, yes, that is a safe way to go about things, and we will probably get where we're going. But if you look at this, like the the players, the the, the two players who I think are, have been the most impressive across all three games, um, have been Alvarado and Luna. Um, I think I think that those guys have have really impressed me, and those guys are like go go, 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 go. And you want to tell them like, just go, just, just play quickly. And when they've been able to, when they sort of like had the ability to shut off their brain and not recycle and not pass it back and not pass it sideways, just go. Good things have happened. Jack McGlynn's the same way. Now Jack McGlynn is, is maybe on like sort of like a different level of like, he's not as athletic or, or as, or as interesting. He's got a cannon for a foot and once a game, he'll do that. And that's great. Um, like I, I'm a believer in that. Like, I, I think that having players who can break moments are, are, is really good. Even, even I, and, and, you know, we have a couple of those, but, um, just talking about the, the pure midfield, like I, I appreciate their roster that, uh, the, the, the youth team put out because they put out like nine of these players are midfielders, including, um, Paxton Aronson, mm-hmm. who has played as a center forward this entire time. 
Um, you know, they, they, they yeah. call Caden Clark a midfielder. He's not, he's a forward on this team. And again, that's, that's fine. However you want to put it, that's, that's fine. Um, but the, the midfielders proper. So let's, let's start at the six. You had Edelman and um, Pukstas, Pukstas. So, so Edelman played in the Canada game. Pukstas played in the uh, St. Nevis and um, Cuba game started. Um, And I thought both of them, and Mm -hmm. like, like you said, neither of these, none of these games were like really all that interesting from like a, we need to deal with a press or pressure or significant amounts of playing it out of the back. Um, And that's where you see a six really thrive um, either under pressure from a press or under pressure from an attack. And I didn't think Edelman or, or Puxtas in that role really did anything bad. Um, I thought they were both like very tidy. Neither of them were, were any sort of interesting or, or whatever. I thought Edelman came in with a better pedigree. Um, people seem to, to think that he's a guy. Um, I thought Puxtas looked better than Edelman, but granted Edelman played the, the mm-hmm. hardest team. So like, I, I think that those two are interchangeable. And I think that when Obed Vargas shows up, it doesn't matter because he's going to be taking one of those roles. And I think, I think that in, in serious games, you're going to want Alvarado um, Vargas and, and Luna all on the field at once. So it doesn't matter. So you play Vargas as that six and fine. I have concerns with that midfield. I think I will, let me get to Edelman first. I think Edelman played okay against Canada. He had some really good defensive moments, I thought, but I think one thing that game really struggled with, it was him and McGlynn and, um, Himmiglin and um, Luna, I think it struggled connecting the back half to like move, getting into the final third. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that was because Edelman, Edelman and McGlynn just aren't super athletic guys. And they're more so just kind of like, they're going to stand there and make really good tackles and play really well defensively. But especially Edelman, I just don't think he has the offensive prowess and the creativity to move it forward. McGlynn doesn't have the athleticism. Um, I, I think though, that would be fun one to watch and experiment with, especially like if we're up a little bit. Um, Alvarado, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this midfield. I think in 2026 when the World when the World Cup comes around then, I think whether it's Pukstas, Alvarado, or even um, or even Vargas, I think one of those guys are a backup six for um, for Tyler Adams. And I, I wish I had more faith in my boy Tanner Tessman, Birmingham <laughs> guy. I love him to death. But I, I just – the way – I think Pukstas is going to be one of those guys who – we don't hear a lot about because he's over in Europe and he's playing in a weird little area, you know, playing over in Croatia, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think then he's going to come out and play be starting in the Bundesliga and out of nowhere, I feel like. And I, I think, I think that that could definitely be a case. I think Alvarado's a kid. He's just so creative, man. He's, he's so smart with the ball. He's very creative. Technically, I think he's pretty good for his age. He's really impressed me a lot. And I'm so glad because his story about, trying to be in the last three camps for, you know, but he's hasn't been able to because of visa mm-hmm. stuff. Like I'm going to root for guys like that. I'm just going to go ahead and root. For, I'm going to root for guys like that. And the fact that he wants to do it and he's playing really well, like I freaking love it. That's the, like when I think American, I think that I, I just yeah. love that overcoming it all the odds. And then, I mean, Obed Vargas, I mean, I think, you know, kid played in a CONCACAF world cup fine or CONCACAF champions league final and played very, very well. And he just, I, I think Vargas yeah. Is gonna be very as a six, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that's tough. I will say six. this though, Luna, Luna, I'm yeah. I, I with Luna, I'm just a little, I'm hesitant. I think he's incredibly creative, and I think he's a good player. 
but that frame scares me. I mean, what is yeah. he? Five eleven, two ten. I just it it looks more like a a little linebacker out there. And like, mm-hmm. I'm just a little concerned about. I, I'm, I'm I'm very intrigued to see how his career plays out. Is he an MLS guy his whole life and plays well, but just kind of never does take the next step? Or can he take that next step and run with it? I just I love to hear your thoughts on what you think about Luna's future. So Luna's uh, an example to me of a guy who. Um... What's the best way to think about this? A guy who keeps doing things that shouldn't work, but they keep working. So like Sean Marion is actually <laughs> my comp to, to Diego yes. Luna. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. Um, Diego, why does that work so well? Yeah, it's because Sean Marion's shot shouldn't go in. And you look at him and you're like, that's awful. You're terrible. But it went in at like a 38% clip at his career. And you say to yourself like, it just works. And like, I don't really know why. And not everybody has the same shot. Not everybody looks pretty when they're doing it, but, but Diego Luna, there's something about him. Like maybe it's like, like, like we think of the way that a creative midfielder works, right. Is like, they, they are able to move on the half turn and, and burst and make those incisive passes or keep the ball at their feet. And he does all of it. He just does it at like either half a beat sooner than you want or half a beat slower than you want and so it's like it's like he's messing with the internal normal timing of a defender where the defender's like okay normally a player will take two dribbles and move to their right or left and so I, I know how to play that and he's taking like one and a half and so like the the, the defender's just like mm-hmm. a little bit off their cadence um and like there there are players who do that um and 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 it works and so I I, I will never count out Diego Luna but if you had to sit here and ask me do I think Diego Luna is ever going to be a locked in starter for a good team at the MLS level or above? No, I don't. I think that he is, yeah. it has a career of all of us saying like, uh, I, I guess he's okay still. And just never really getting there. But um, I'm with you about Alvarado. I'm with you about Vargas. I'm with you about Puxas. Um Edelman, like you said, you know, and, and, and McGlynn were both sort of athletically limited. Um, the, the, I, I do want to take issue with your Tanner Testman take um, because I am, I am a, a big fan of Tanner Testman because um, the way that I was introduced to him was, was actually through college football recruiting because I read about him for yeah. the first time when he was offered a scholarship to Clemson. And I was like, Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fun. He got offered to Clemson and, decided to play soccer and that's cute. And then it's like, Oh no, 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 he's serious. This, this kid can, can ball. Um, but like, there's just a, there's just a part of me that wants him to, to be starting at a world cup. So, so that the rest of the world gets to hear that he is in fact, the godson of Davos Swinney. Like I was forced to listen to over <laughs> and over and over. And I appreciate it, but still, but still. Um, yeah. I love Tanner. Um, he's from my area. Like he grew up 20, 15 minutes down the road from me. So I'm good at him. I want him to do well. He seems like a great human being and a great guy. And I think, I think some time in Siri B, Siri B, um, I guess the Siri B, I guess you can call it. Yeah. Um, I, I think we'll do him well. As far, and I think also Busio, if I'm being honest, but mm-hmm. I, I think he just needs to get more consistent playing time. And I think him being in Syria or Siri B, We'll do really well for him there. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Tanner Teston's starting for Man United, you know, in 2026. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just – I'm not going to bet that right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, that's fair. Um, 
so so among the the midfielders, you know, like I, I think that this this group it and we haven't ca- talked about uh, Nico Nico Sakiris Sakir I. You know, like I, I, I say this as someone with a name, first name that everybody mispronounces. So I guess I should be more sensitive to this, but I Securus, mm-hmm. I guess, whatever. Um, I thought he played fine. Uh, he, he's, he's an example yeah. of someone who's young, like he's young for here. I think he's a 16 year old. Um, 16 years. Old. I think so. I think he's, he's 16 or 17. I think he's playing a, a, an age up and I think it shows like he's just not quite there. You know, he can, he can, he can humiliate St. Kitts which has um, I, I, the, the way that, that I heard it. Uh, I don't remember who said this. It probably scuffed, but it was like, there's 50,000 people in St. Kitts, which is like, for our purposes, half of the amount of people in Bryant Denny or the big house or Spartan stadium. Like that's how many people they can yeah. draw from. And it's like, that's an average Saturday, half of an average Saturday in most of the major college football fan bases. Um, like, so like, think about that yeah. when you consider your pool. Um, so, but, but I, I'm, you know, I, I'm happy for him. He's a guy for the future. The next time we go through the cycle, he'll, he'll still be here, um, which is useful because he, he, he won't have to learn where things are. Um, so, so just getting to the forward. So that's, that's Aronson, Wolf, Clark, uh, Cowell, uh, and Sullivan nominally. Um, I, I, I need to, to say this. I said this on Twitter. I'm going to say it now, and I'm going to put my name behind it. Cade Cowell is Darius Hayward Bay with a mullet. Dude is just fast. And there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of value in just being fast, but that dude is just fast and nothing else. And like, if he had a second move, if he had anything to do other than being super freaking fast, he'd be a, a, a $75 million player. Um, because like, like what he offers you over the top is so good, but the ball at his feet from a standstill or even from a, from a, from a, a slow roll, like it's just not there. Um, and, yeah. and I, I just don't know what to say about it. I mean, I, a few thoughts come to Caden Cow. It's Kid Cow. I, I think he's a very, I think, I, I think it's be interesting because I think he'll eventually get to move to Europe just because he's an American. He's young. He's fast. He's very physical. I think he will get eventually moved to Europe, not saying it's Everton or wherever, just he's, he's going to get moved to Europe. I think that's what he, he'll kind of like, we'll see where he's really at. I think with Cow. He's just, he's so fast. It reminds me of Jordan Morris with pre-injury. <laughs> he reminds me of Jordan Morris pre-injury. Just this big physical dude, crazy haircut running at you. He's terrifying to look at. Like, and he, and he has one, mo- he'll kind of have one move he'll do. Like he was kind of like hit the ball over and then go in kind of how he did against Canada. But I, I just struggle. He's just very, he's not a technical player. And I think, I think he's misplaced on the roster. I think he's a, I think he, we should try him at true nine, like a true nine position. I think that'd be very interesting. He's fast as I'll get out. He's a decent finisher. I'd say decent to good finisher for his age. I just, he just, he can't dribble the ball to save his life. And I feel bad because, because especially when we played Canada, they went in the low block and he just, he couldn't do anything, but then we scored and they, then they scored and they kind of were able to open it up a little. And then we saw just that speed and him able to burst through the hole and get, um, get that goal, which was also an incredible shot. It wasn't like he just tapped it in. That was a very good shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cade Cal, it's just, it's really interesting. And especially this age group, he's only 18. He's a U it's a U 19 or U 20 team. I just, and it's kind of getting back to what you're saying earlier, you know, adding some younger kids. 
I'm a little confused why we're bringing some younger kids and not others. If we're going to bring a few younger kids, why not bring one that's in a position of need? Roberto Neri, who played for the U19 over in Italy, he was scoring, he was he scored, he played 66 minutes and scored three goals. Why not bring him the Atletico Madrid product? I and I don't, it's it's very frustrating because then you look at the other roster. I thought Quinn obviously Quinn played very well tonight. He had a mm-hmm. hatch trick argument. I think probably his best performance he's had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, very satisfied with Quinn, but he's playing more of a winger, even though I think he's more of a forward too. But Tyler Wolf, every time he's on the field, it just seems like he's doing something he shouldn't. And there's one example yeah. I was watching this Cuba game. This Cuba game, and I, I don't know if this is his fault or if this is a system, if this is the Greg Berhalter system. So I'm trying to be kind of easy on the kid. But there was a point where Cade Cowell had the ball and he was running wide with it. And there was open grass in the middle lane. And as the striker, you think, oh, you should attack that and then throw a through ball. And it wouldn't have been an easy pass, but still when I think that Cal could have made, then that's where you throw a through ball. And then that's where you can get a tap in possibly. But Wolf goes wide and then he ends up crossing it. And he crosses into three Cuba players. And it's like, what was he thinking there? And I, I don't know if that's a Tyler Wolf issue or if that is a Greg Burhalter system issue. And that's something I've, I've kind of been wrestling with now for a little while. Some of these issues are player issues or or scheme issues. And I, I think that that's, that's not even a, a scheme issue or really a player issue. Cause he's not a nine. So like asking him to make that yeah. run that like for his club and probably for his entire life, his job was like, go back post because if the ball dribbles through the nine, who's going front post, then, you know, it's you're yeah. there, whatever. So it's, it's just like a, not a natural thing. And, it, and it's a, it's a function of playing in a way. And look, the reality is, is that there is a U20 striker who's pretty freaking good. Um, and, and it's Ricardo Pepe, right? Like he's the guy who should be here. And, and I think Mikey Varas, uh, the coach of the U20 said it. I think he said like, look, like, yeah, I would love to have Ricardo Pepe, but I don't. So what do you want from me? And yeah. you would say like, okay, like there are other nines, but I think like the idea is like, this is a 20 man roster. And of that front six, right? Like, let's say, let's say it's, it's five or six. Uh, or let's say it's five, right? Sullivan, Clark, Cowell, Wolf, Aronson. Um, like, who are you dropping to to bring in a nine who you don't love? And I, I don't know. You know, I would say like maybe you don't. You know, I don't know. There's there's no good answers here because it's such a limited roster. If this roster, I think I think was was expanded right to like twenty three or twenty six, which maybe it should have given COVID and maybe it should have given the, the the nature of sort of what's going on right now. Um, I think it looks very different, but I think like you had 20 players and you have five attacking players who are clearly head and shoulders above the rest. Like everybody who I just mentioned, Wolf, Sullivan, Clark, Cowell, and um, who did I miss? Cowell, Sullivan, Wolf, Clark, and oh. yeah. And uh, yeah, right. And Aronson, uh, that five, like they're all, they're all serious MLS players at this point as 18 year olds. So you got to bring them. Um, but, but I think if you, if you expand the roster or if Ricardo Pepe doesn't have the spring from hell, it it just looks a little bit different. And I think if, when, if, and when we get to the Olympics, um, Pepe will be there. Right. So, so you're looking at, you know, a situation where Paredes is there and, and maybe, yeah, I think Cowell probably has a role, but he's not starting. Um, you know, I, I think that, that McGlynn is not here, for example, um, and so you, you, you just sort of have these discussions about like, what does this team look like and what is the job and can this, and, and I think that's what, what gets it back to and sort of, sort of to bring it full circle a little bit 
about like, how do we feel about what's gone on here? This is a simple binary, right? You make the finals. This is a success, whether you win or lose. It's not about winning this tournament. It's about getting to the Olympics. Um, and, and if you make mm-hmm. it to the U20 World Cup, that's great. But you got to make the, the Olympics for this to be a success. And can this group get there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, so, so the, we already know the, the round of 16 game that we're playing in. It's against Nicaragua. They're not good. Like you, we, America should win that game. And then you get into questions of like, okay, so I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but whoever's round of eight, you got to win to go to the U20 World Cups. And then you win that round of four. And then, and none of these teams are going to be Mexico, by the way. Um, Mexico's on the other side of the bracket. So I think all told, like, you know, as, as sort of like a group stage assessment, um, did the job, right? Like, am I, am I overwhelmingly pleased with everything that happened? No, not, not overwhelmingly. But I think if you, you know, as we've gone group by group, like our, our takeaway has more or less been like, somebody can do this well, right? Like we didn't talk really about Caden Clark because he's just so head and shoulders above this level of competition that it's like, okay, whatever. Um, Quinn Sullivan, Paxton Aronson, like, yeah, they did a good job. They're better than the people they're playing against. Mm -hmm. Fine. Um, And they will be throughout this, throughout this tournament. One thing that you keep saying is that I fully agree with is like, you know, these guys are so head above the shoulders, you know, better than the rest. But just imagine if we were able to actually bring a full strength U20 team. I mean, I, I think you're replacing arguably 15 guys in this roster. And I think that's what's incredible. And I sh- it shows you the depth of U.S. soccer at this point. Because I don't, I think 17, in 17, we're having a much different conversation about our U20 um, outlook. But um, I mean, just imagine if you had Ricardo Pepe, Kevin Paredes, um, Justin Che, um, Ricardo Pepe, Gio Reyna, Eunice Musa. Obviously, those guys are head and shoulders would be not even close to the best players in this tournament. And so it's understandable why they're not playing in this and they're going back to their respective clubs to train and all that. I'm cool with that. But it, I think it just shows you how much how much talent we have now in America and how much these academies, you know, for better or for worse, you know, we give MLS a lot of crap. They're producing kids out of these academies. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like we've turned on the water spigot and I don't think we're gonna be able to turn it off. And I think that's, I think it'll be fun to look back in five years, be like, man, look, this is our U20 team. Our U20 team now would smoke that team back then. Cause I think we're just gonna, have, we're just gonna keep producing more and more talent. And as you know, I think 2026 is gonna be kind of that pendulum when soccer officially kind of breaks out in the U.S. when it comes to the mainstream, then you're going to have more and more kids. Like, well, mom, dad, I want to go play in an academy. I want to go do this. You know, I, I love this Christian Pulisic guy. He's playing for Juventus wink, wink, you know, like, I, <laughs> I just think it's such a, I think, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's really cool to see how these kids are doing it. And I think they're representing us really well. Um, I'm proud, you know, none of them seem like they're boneheaded kids, even if they were their teens who really cares, but I think for the most part, they're representing the crest well. And I'm, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I, I feel pretty good about making um, U20 World Cup, but I'm cautiously optimistic overall. Very cautiously optimistic. So and I that's th- I my think that's, takes. I, in a, yeah. And, and I think that that's, I think that that's the, the way to do it, is just be cautiously optimistic about everything that's gone on. Um, I, I do want to mention that we, we haven't mentioned that um, Justin Che should be here because he should be, but whatever. Um, you know, like yeah. he's, he's another person, like we didn't mention Kobe Henry, who just got to move to France. Like there's enough people yeah. here who, who, who should be here. 
and aren't for, for legitimate reasons, but you know, this is, this is a, a non-mandatory release tournament, whereas, you know, the Olympics or the world cup are mandatory. So, you know, we do the best we can. Um, before I, I let you go, I, I, I do need to, uh, to, to, to tell our dear listeners that uh, Garrett will be back at the end of July to, uh, to preview the SEC. Um, we will be, uh, as we get closer to the end of July, we will be um, previewing each conference, previewing the NFL, uh, getting back to the football half of this podcast, less of the uh, Harry Potter jokes, more of the um, college kicker jokes, if we're going to be honest, because we're going to talk about Alabama. And if we're going to talk about Alabama, we're going to talk about kickers. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I know you don't want to, but it's, we got to do it. Some you've been shed over so I can, we, we need a podcast where um where I like sit down and dissect a kicker's career from Alabama and it'll start all the way back at um Lee Tiffin who was an 09 and then we'll go from there and we'll go through the highs of Jeremy Shelley and into the lows of anything um anything I can't remember his name now anything Brandon Allen did to now I guess Will Riker who I we're all pretty pleased with we're all kind of like okay like, this isn't bad like I'm He's pretty good, but I'm just, I'm just convinced that, that the Lord almighty saw what Alabama did, saw how Nick Saban goes about his life and was like, I'm going to take something out of your control. And Nick Saban looks at his program <laughs> and he's like, I can control everything and make everything good. And, and, and the deity above us was like, can't control kickers. Can you? And that was it. And that was, Dude, that was the trade. That's what makes cultural so great. You know? I love how we, that makes what makes cultural so good. We can let a 5'11", 180-pound kid soaking wet ruin the entire game. I think the that's entire thing. I, I think that's such a, I think it's such a beautiful analogy for what college football is, and it's just it's why how can you not be romantic about college football, man? It's the most beautiful. It's this. It's one of the most beautiful games out there. <laughs> it's 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 pure. Um, so you can find uh my my guest here, uh Garrett at Garrett uh, underscore Franks. Um, he'll be on the tweet tweet that we, we put this out on. Um, you can listen to him, uh, on Alabama radio, I guess. Uh, are you on air or, or are you, are you, uh, yeah. So this, um, this fall, we'll restart back in the fall just cause school and all that. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, I'll have my own show. Um, hopefully, um, some things are in the works. So hopefully I'll do more play-by-play stuff. Did call it a women's basketball game last year. So hopefully stuff's in the works to do more, um, play-by-play stuff too. So. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Okay, so so uh, for all of your your roll tide needs, uh, check out check out uh, the uh, the Alabama radio station uh, and and Garrett. Um, you can find me and all of us at at this podcast at TLS underscore and underscore TDS. Uh, it's usually me. If it's not me, it's someone else. Um, usually not me on 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 Saturdays. I I, I have other things going on. Uh, so if it's, if it's Saturday, usually not me, uh, you can find me personally at diamonds Esquire. I don't tweet from there. I rarely check it. If there's a, a DM, uh, to there, I'll usually look at that. Other than that, I don't really care. Uh, special thank you to our sponsors, the Smith workforce management group and whoever blue wire decide to put in, we're crossing our fingers for Coors light. Uh, we, we, we would like to be, we would like to be sponsored by Coors. We enjoyed that. Um, we will have the Instagram up and running right around the time that Nick Saban has a kicker who he doesn't want to kill. So, you know, we'll find out, you know, might be this year, might not, who knows? Um, uh, please like subscribe, share, uh, tell, tell your friends, tell your, uh, tell your enemies, tell your five-star, uh, four-star safety who may or may not be going to Alabama or Michigan state. Who's to say, really, I guess we'll find out soon. 
Um, but uh, dear listener, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.